There has been some changes within Seattle Public Schools, and despite all the change, the fact remains that they are still charged with the education of our children, which has been more difficult in the middle of a pandemic. With me this morning to provide us with the state of affairs in Seattle Public Schools and the outlook for the future is Seattle Public Schools Interim Superintendent Dr. Brent Jones, Chief Academic Officer Dr. Keisha Scarlett, and Dr. Mia Williams, Director of the Department of African American and Male Achievement. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. All right. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Jones, let's start with you because uh, you were recently appointed as the interim superintendent and took over uh, a little early, uh, May 1st, I believe, after you were initially scheduled to start uh, July 1st. I'm sure many people uh, are happy to see the early start, but I must ask the question, you know, why the early start? Uh, thank you, Chris. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Uh, the early start is important. Um, you know, I'm, I'm re-entering re this space uh, in the middle of, as you mentioned, uh, us recovering from the pandemic, us coming off the year of racial reckoning, uh, and it's important to start on really creating the conditions for our fall return. Our fall return, believe it or not, is in 81 days. And so we're starting out September 1st, uh, really uh, poised to have a, a real healthy, fresh, uh, focused, and an effective start. And so the, the board and uh, myself thought it would be good for me to get in, get in the seat as soon as possible so that we can really create the conditions for uh, us to have a, a great start in the fall. Right. And, and Dr. Jones, speaking of the fall, um, I know one of the first announcements that you made as interim superintendent was that the fact that you guys were gearing up for uh, in-person learning in the fall. Can you kind of talk a little bit about that? Um, what went into um, that decision uh, at that time? I know um, since that time, you know, we've had more people get vaccinated. It looks like they're going to open the state up. Um, but certainly uh, what went into that decision, especially considering that uh, at the time, vaccinations were not available for people under the age of 18. Yeah, so, so thank you. For, that's a great question. And one of the reasons that we uh, made the declaration uh, early, uh, about a month ago now, is that we wanted to provide the clarity to the community, to our staff, to families, that uh, we want to come back in person full-time in the fall and that we know how to do that. We've been doing that for literally over 100 years, and we know how to do in-person learning. Uh, that's kind of our bread and butter. And so for planning purposes and for clarity for uh, students and families, we thought it was imperative to really just uh, be clear on, on us coming back. We also are, are tracking very closely kind of the trends, and we're working with our public health uh, officials to really understand uh, that it looks like the fall will be uh, all systems go. And of course, we'll make adjustments if we need to, but uh, again, we believe that in-person learning is what we do best. Uh, we need to have that proximity to our students. We, we need to be able to have those, those teachable moments, those aha moments, and I think those can best be replicated by uh, in-person learning. And we've learned a lot uh, and we'll supplement what we do uh, over the last, from the last year. But uh, again, in-person learning is what we do best. And so wanted to make that clear uh, up front. So thank you for asking. 
Right. And, and Dr. Jones, uh, some would say that you're in an unenviable position because you are the interim in what appears to be the back end of a pandemic. But certainly, COVID, as you just mentioned, COVID exposed a lot of things that many school districts across the country, including Seattle Public Schools, um, probably were not totally prepared for. Um, you know, and I know there's people out there wondering why you would be willing to step into a position where you're cleaning up uh, a mess, for lack of a better term, uh, only to have someone come behind you in a year or so and sleep in the bed that you've made? Uh, tremendous question. So, uh, as you know, uh, many on the line may not know, I'm from Seattle. Uh, I have worked at Seattle Public School District uh, twice, actually, uh, and we've set some really good foundation. And let, no doubt that there are there are multiple challenges, but we also have uh, a tremendous strategic plan that was driven by community. We're still focused on that. We have a uh, tremendous focus on uh, students of color furthest from educational justice. And despite all of the challenges that we've had over the last year, uh, my team, our team, is really focused on really now taking it to the next level. Uh, we've learned a lot over the, over the last year, uh, and we're applying that forward. But I think now is the time where we're looking at uh, outcomes. And this really uh, gave us an opportunity to step back and say, what is important? So I'm willing to participate, uh, to uh, carry, carry the, uh, the message, have a mandate of creating the conditions for students to thrive. And whether I continue or an, another superintendent continues, uh, we are really going to create the conditions for, for success into the near future. So uh, I'm here in service. I'm here. I answered the call. But I'm pleased to be here, whether it's uh, uh, 12 months that I have left or, or a longer term, but I'm, I'm ready. So I appreciate the opportunity. All right. Uh, Dr. Scarlett, let's bring you into the conversation uh, because this certainly has been a tough year for parents, students, and teachers alike. You know, what are some of the things that you all have learned over the last year, and what are some of the things that you all are looking to implement because of it? Yeah, thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. Um, so, wow, we've learned so much this, um, over the last year and a half even. Um, we've learned um, that nothing is impossible um, and that we can mobilize in order to um, support the educational needs um, for our students. If someone had told us two years ago that we'd all be on devices and computers and having a one-on-one -on -one environment, um, no one would have believed um, what is happening here. Um, We've learned that um, we are resilient and that our communities are resilient. And also we've learned that our communities shouldn't have to be res resilient. Um, there's um, the dual pandemic of um, racism in COVID-19 and what COVID-19 pandemic um, continues to lay bare about the um, educational and um, racial and historical racial um, inequalities um, that uh, communities of color, black folks and brown folks have um, have. Um, encountered um, over so long and um, how the education system becomes complicit within that. Um, another thing that we have learned um, is that we've never needed families more than we need them now. We've always needed families. They've always been the best and um, first educators of our children, but we are totally dependent upon our families, even from the electricity that's in the walls to 
plugging the devices so that their children can engage in school um, prior to us being able to now come back into some in-person environments. And um, we still hold families at an arm's length as systems and make decisions, um, top-down decisions that have never worked and have worked um, even less during pandemic. So the need for us to deeply engage with families um, and students um, to understand what the values and interests and needs and priorities of those families um, with the most at stake in in inequality and unequal schools and um, how do we work with them in order to really prioritize that work. Um, I know Dr. Williams will speak a little bit more about how she's engaged, particularly with um, our black um, young teens and their families around their values and interests and priorities. And um, there's nothing that they're saying that is um, rocket science or anything like that. These are the things that we know that are best practices and that actually um, many of um, more privileged students and families, um, it is just sort of um, taken for granted that these are the things that happen for them, the sort of um, superior opportunities um, in education. So we're learning a whole lot, learning what it means to um, be in collaboration, what it means to take feedback and really use it in actionable ways to support decision-making and um, are looking forward to using all of that in order to open what Dr. Jones um, described as better schools when we come back in fall 21. Right. And, and Dr. Scarlett, you know, you, you, when you talk about engagement, we often talk about engagement uh, in, when it comes to uh, education, but that uh, focus is primarily on student engagement. And you talked about the engagement of the community, the engagement of parents, you know, you know, what does that what what does that engagement look like as it relates to parents? What are some of the things that you guys, you all at Seattle Public Schools as educators, um, especially you as the chief academic officer, what are the things that you would expect for parents, primarily uh, the parents of African American uh, students, uh, to do in terms of the type of engagement that you would like to see with them, uh, particularly on a daily basis? Yeah, first of all, um, our um, black families are highly engaged in the educational lives of their children. Black mothers and black fathers are highly engaged. Um, it is a, um, a trick uh, that is shared um, in order to further disenfranchise um, black people um, and somehow make it seem like their lives are outside of whatever a norm is um, about um, a lack of engagement. They're highly engaged. Um, so all the things that families do every single day of um, getting their children up and prepared and online for learning or to getting them to school for learning, all of the ways that they help them with their homework, um, with our littlest learners, how they um, help them to build their readerly lives by reading um, to them and engaging with them, and also all the ways that we um, work as community to um, ensure that we have a village approach to raising our children and um, utilize just different um, resources, um, people resources and the brands from community to help raise our children. That's been part of my own raising here in Seattle and that's how I raise my own children. So um, I'm proud of our community and the ways that we do engage um, educationally. And as we move forward, um, another level of engagement is us being able to support each other and advocate for the needs of our children um, to um, make sure that we escalate and elevate um, issues to our school board members and constituents um, make sure that we're using um, district channels in order to raise issues that we're experiencing with our students. Um, I cannot think of a, um, a leadership team that I'm more proud to work with than um, who I work with right now 
And I can't think of anyone who's more answerable um, to community than Dr. Jones and Dr. Williams, myself, um, Chief Bush, and then other people that are on cabinet and working across our different schools feel really um, super answerable to community. And so our community needs to demand the answerability. Um, that's part of that engagement. A highly engaged um, um, family um, demands of um, school systems and um, holds um, us accountable for those demands. So that's the type of engagement that I think is um, most important. Um, and this is n not something that we're unfamiliar with as a community, that we um, really do support each other and um, advocate for each other. And so um, us continuing to do that and do it more expansively in, in more coordinated ways in order to ensure the educational needs of our students are um, are taken care of um, as well. Right. Yeah. And, and Dr. Dr. Scarlett, one more question. Uh, uh, with the forced reliability on virtual learning, is that something you believe will be part of the education model in some capacity moving forward, or was that just something that needed to be done at the time? Yeah, I'm really excited about the future of um, um, uh, virtual learning. You know, um, we've uh, we plan to be a one-to-one -one district. It was just accelerated by this pandemic, and so our um, educators' capacities every day um, they're finding ways to use technology. We don't want all these investments in technologies to become paperweights and doorstops. Um, we have every intention on um, working together to implement either curriculum through our technology. We're um, um, are planning on a um, elementary mathematics adoption and I have our digital education manager working with our mathematics manager working in partnership on this adoption process. So we have every intention on our students to continue to um, be global um, citizens and experience what it means to be a global citizen through um, having this um, computer and having these devices to help them connect with the world around them. Right. Uh, and Dr. Williams, let, let's bring you into the conversation. Dr. Mia Williams, who's the uh, director of the uh, Office of African-American Male Achievement. You know, you work right in the middle of, a, of the storm <laughs> that everyone is concerned about, and that is the academic achievement of African-American uh, students, particularly African-American males. Um, with that being said, you know, I guess from a, from a broad perspective, how would you say that uh, our students fared during COVID? Good morning, Chris. And, um, uh, our, our, our students are brilliant, and I just want to make sure that we all, as we talk about people, talk about learning loss, our babies are inherent. What was the I think there's multiple ways that students learn. The opportunity to get to be engaged with their families around some of their learning, the things that we learn from the home, as Dr. Scarlett talked about, as our families, our, our first educators, um, there's experiences that they were able to enhance and response. One way is that we know that some of our students, we're really elevating student voice now and they've sat in many spaces not only being at the table but being decision makers they have advised um given information as far as when we were bargaining reopening grading practices we're in ways now that as we are redesigning a school system for them to thrive as we're writing like as dr jones stated about creating the conditions for them to thrive um, we've been involving students more into hearing their voice about what they need to thrive and so i'm super excited about that but they're brilliant they're already inherently brilliant and it was definitely a challenge but many of them have stated that once they started getting into a routine of being on computers 
um, that was an opportunity. And now that they've had the opportunity to come back in person, some that shows to you at this time, um, they are continuing to thrive. But what's exciting about that is, as Dr. Scarves mentioned, that our teachers and our students, I think, have brought in um, ways that they can really um, engage with their learning now. And so we're excited about when we're all in back um, in September, as Dr. Jones said, 81 days. I think that it's important for us to make sure that it's always important for us, our students, everybody to be um, have wellness around social, emotional learning opportunities to engage with their their peers, continue to be, have that collective brilliance come together. So we're excited about us coming back and what summer learning opportunities are happening. Um, but I do think that it's important to make sure that we are listening to our teams in particular, but all of our babies, to really make sure that we're giving them what they deserve, the best education possible. Right. And, Dr. Williams, uh, you know, I think your department, Department's been around for maybe two years now, two and a half. Could be a little, a little off with some of the time frame. It might be closer to three years now. Um, can you talk a little bit about um, where you guys started and kind of where you're at now, some of the things that you guys are, are currently working on uh, moving forward? Yeah, great. So, yeah, in August we will be we'll approach the two-year mark. Um, as you know, I started with myself, and then I was fortunate to get um, two of my teammates to join me in February, right before we um, transitioned to virtual learning. Um, so, we are now what what our primary focus is a driver of systemic change for the system. As again, we want to make sure that we're designing schools for our brilliant kings and queens and the babies of Seattle Public Schools um, every day. So we've really been really focusing on understanding the experiences of our um, black males within the system and also the black community of what they want. And as Dr. Scarlett said, we need to take back education of our babies and making sure we're naming what we need. And so we've had focus groups with kings throughout the year. We've also um, been in of forums within each of the regions of the city and um, our home language um, groups. Um, we had an evening with them. So there's about six different engagements. And right now we are doing our research and getting the big themes and we will be reporting back that out to the community about the high leverage things so that that is going to be driving our, um, our system of us being like the connective tissue. So as we're elevating Seattle excellence, um, that we will be taking the, the high-level themes of what families are asking for um, and what the kings are saying that they need to thrive as we go back to in-person. And as Dr. Scott talked about, a lot of it is not nothing new. And as we know, the pandemic just, you know, just shined a light on um, the inequities that have been. But I'm super excited that we are really um, being, you know, using our families and our um, kings' voices to really design for them. And one example is, we have now, um, as we are building out a culturally responsive mentoring and um, cultural identity experiences for our kings, we mostly had secondary op opportunities for that. So we've now made it so that we've online, having like Kingmakers of Seattle be extended. So no matter what school you attend, if you're between 7th and 12th grade, you had the opportunity to uh, be a part of cohorts this year. And then just this spring, we started, because we heard from the families, from the black families and the kings, hey, can we go down to lower grades? So we offer Rising Suns extended on the computer um, for third through fifth grade. So 
we are really trying to make sure that not only are we hearing from our families, but we are acting and we're going to continue to repeat that so we continue to design to make the system better. So our office is really, that is our number one. And um, as we will still be in support of each of the different divisions coming across in a coherent way to um, really um, just, as I think Dr. Jones said, we're going to have 100, 180 days of excellence. And that's what we're using um, the voices and being in community to make sure that we're building that collectively as in every educational environment in Seattle Public School. Right. And Dr. Jones, um, let's talk a little bit about um, what school, um, if we were uh, continue to rain on track to in-person learning in the fall, you know, what does the school environment uh, this year moving forward look like? You know, will there be an increase or decrease in class sizes, uh, student-to-teacher ratios in the building, you know, staffing? Uh, are there going to be some... Uh, special safety precautions related to COVID, you know, wh what types of uh, environment are we looking for that uh, parents, students alike should be aware of? Yeah, thank you. Um, ideally, we are coming back to pre-pandemic conditions. Um, we, we know that there's a potential for uh, our public health officials, the governor, and uh, maybe King County Public Health to uh, let us know that we need to have uh, distancing such as three feet or six feet. Uh, however, we, we're uh, optimistic and we're projecting that we can come back again to where we were prior to uh, our, our social, our, excuse me, our, our, our pandemic. So we have learned, around, learned a lot around uh, HVAC, HEPA filters, PPE, good screening techniques, and we're applying that going forward. So uh, we are anticipatory that we can come back to, again, where, where we were prior to, prior to the pandemic. Uh, notwithstanding, we are making uh, contingency plans in case that uh, changes, but we are, we are excited. And, and to do that, we also need to make sure that we are trying to create uh, highly favorable conditions for our students, um, welcoming environments. So when our students come back, they know that they are, are cared for, they have a sense of belonging. Uh, we've even discovered that some of our students expressed that they had experienced uh, bullying, discrimination, uh, racism. And so we also are trying to make sure that we're creating the conditions for students to not experience that. So that's supplemental to what we're doing as well. And then the other concept that we want to make sure that we're uh, bringing back in addition is this collective wellness and that we are going to be using our resources to ensure that we have uh, mental health support for not just our students, but for our adults that are serving students. We believe that uh, well-functioning and, and uh, optimal adults that are thriving are going to be very helpful to begin creating the conditions for our, for our students to thrive. And so. Uh, it's a combination of things, but we are, we're really anticipating coming back to uh, what we know best, and that's in-person learning. Right. And this question is open to um, whoever best wants to take a stab at it. Um, if we can talk a little bit about uh, enrollment and how uh, enrollment next fall will impact the entire system, because uh, there are some parents who chose not to send their kids to school uh, at, uh, this year and took a gap year. I mean, I'm hearing this has occurred a little more frequently at the lower grade levels, like 
uh, kids who were supposed to enroll in kindergarten or first grade, but certainly I would think that some of the older students in the districts might have done something similar. You know, is this something that you guys are concerned about? Um, do you have an idea of, of how many families um, might not have been in the system last year that might be coming back into the system this year, um, creating an, uh, a larger influx uh, into certain grade levels than what you guys could have projected uh, through the census counts a few years ago? Um, and so, and what are the possible ripple effects that this could have on the system? Well, I, w I would like for uh, Dr. Williams to maybe talk a little bit about uh, the, the listening that she's been doing with families to understand uh, what they are facing, what they are communicating with us uh, as we go forward. Uh, I think that might be a really good indicator of why, why some of our families may be hesitant to return and why some of our families may be eager to return. But if, if uh, Dr. Williams, uh, you've done some extensive engagement and some listening with, with our families, would you uh, give a little bit of some highlights around what that is? Um, yes, thanks, Dr. Jones. Um, our families, and uh, again, as the Kings also were in focus groups, uh, just the high-level things that they're sharing just make sure that they want rigorous um, experiences that are culturally relevant and real relevant to the real world. I mean, we're hearing that. We want to make sure that the educational are also coming with um, uh, mindsets that um, that they are brilliant and they see them and they value them. And they, the same with our families. So families are asking for um, experiences of that. So no matter where they go in the system, that they're getting that and they can move. So I hope that, um, and, 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 again, actively involving families and the students in their educational experience. And I think that um, as we continue to show that we hear them and that we deliver on, that they can see their voices being built within our system, that is going to make more families want to come back to, to, to know that we are a part of culturally responsive teaching and research practices. So we're in classrooms with teachers breaking it down, but there's students on those levels. We're talking about opportunities of our grow our own program of where we have almost um, 32 black males and other um, um, teachers of color that are going to be, are growing our, our, our Academy of Rising Educators, which is exciting. So representation matters. Um, they talk about making sure that they're learning about their cultural identity. We started our first black um, studies course this year Will, um, ethnic studies is going to be starting. Um, it, I mean, it's already happening in many buildings, but it's going to spread in a bigger way. Um, those are things that they are naming that need to happen, which is not only beneficial for our Black children, but it is also beneficial for all the other students to have and understand the contributions of where um, our Black people have have been uh, before slavery. We have been contributing forever. And so we want to make sure that people understand that and those opportunities are happening. And so I, again, I do believe as we continue to get better and better in that excellence, that more families will return. But those are the things that we've heard from the Kings and from the black community about what are we doing about those things? So our professional development plan, and I know that Dr. Scarlett will probably add in some of the ways we could discuss that were ways that we're engaging families with our reading um, opportunities that we have um, 
in different ways that we are increasing that rigor for our students and um, making sure that um, staff are coming unbiased and that they see their brilliance. And Dr. Kelly, you probably want to add more, but so that we are filling in and naming the things that they want. And partnering, as the last thing I will say, though, is partnering with our Black-led community-based organizations to, as, as their gifts are, so we can have a collective impact on, on well-rounded experiences for our students. So there's many opportunities that where we are engaging with organizations that have been here serving our Black community for a long time. How do we get more of them involved and so that we can have a collective impact on our students' learning? Thank you. And Dr. Scarlett, if you want to add to that. Yeah, I can add a few things about enrollment. I mean, um, Brother Bennett, you shared about, uh, you know, kindergarten families, and we are expecting a big bubble sort of that's going to move through the system in our early learning, particularly in kindergarten, um, because that was um, uh, um, for some time the first, like, um, educational learning experience. And um, for that to be an online experience, there were just many families who thought that they would wait out the pandemic. Um, and see if we return to in-person learning. So we are expecting that. Um, you know, I got a little data point um, just a few days ago with um, a um, grade 3 through 12 student survey on the experience in pandemic learning and what, um, you know, students were anticipating um, for the fall. And one of the things that came up within that, if it's any indicator, is 91% of students um, share that they want to return for in-person learning. Now, that doesn't mean that all their parents um, you know, want the very same thing, but um, I do feel like that's still a partnership between our students and their parents, um, you know, of how they, um, you know, want to be able to come back um, to in-person learning. So I do believe that more and more of our students will want to return for in-person learning. There will be in, um, different impacts, um, and we are trying to mitigate that through, um, you know, there are some families who just need to be remote learning, but they have multi-generational families or um, with illness or um, some, like, really severe um, impact. And so um, we are making considerations about how do we support um, those families um, that need to remain remote. Um, we are lifting up a very small effort, um, a piloted effort on a virtual learning academy um, and looking at how do we sort of bridge to the most immediate need of um, families to mitigate some type of issue into the future that I described of um, what are digital learning options um, for our students. And then um, the last thing I'll say about um, sort of this um, enrollment is, um, you know, I know that many of our families um, want to opt out of school. Um, I mean, not don't want to opt out of school, excuse me, may want to opt out of in-person learning. I'm talking about families of color, particularly black families because of the um, racial um, incidents and just the environment and um, the what we call the white gaze, you know, that has happened during um, this time of being able to learn from home um, during the pandemic. And at the same time, I do this no matter what, that in-person learning within community is the very best um, option, I think, for the learning of our students and that it takes us all to work um, about to, to change the environment and, um, and create the environments that we want to have. And um, that's not going to happen necessarily with our children being at home. Um, having virtual learning and that option um, for families is not like a silver bullet necessarily for addressing um, the issues of, um, you know, racial incidents and, um, you know, racial discrimination and different things that, um, that our um, families are definitely um, and students are experiencing um, as well. And so um, we're excited, again, about the schools um, 
that we're opening um, to move um, together. And Dr. Williams spoke, um, you know, at length about all of the different um, work that we're doing in order to be answerable and accountable um, to community about the um, whole child educational experience that they really want for their child, both their academic experience, but their social emotional um, health as well. Right. Uh, and, and Dr. Jones, uh, I guess we will close out with you. I, you know, uh, certainly there are a lot of expectations in the community on what you as uh, the superintendent will be able to deliver, especially since you were born and raised in Seattle and a product of Seattle public schools. Um, I believe you were, you're actually the first superintendent that is actually from Seattle, I believe, but we are looking at some historic times as it relates to Seattle Public Schools. When you look at uh, yourself and you look at uh, Dr. Scarlett, who was also uh, born and raised here in Seattle, and you've got Dr. Mia Williams, uh, who was uh, raised in the, in the Seattle area as well. Certainly you talk about people, um, you know, kind of coming home, per se, and making a difference in their communities. When you look at the leadership uh, in Seattle Public Schools, we, we truly can say uh, at this point that the leadership in Seattle Public Schools uh, really is uh, consisting of people who are from, in, and about our community. Yeah, so uh, we're fortunate that we have uh, Drs. Williams and, and, and Scarlett. Uh, I have tremendous confidence in their depth and breadth and understanding of uh, where we are right now. I think we have an authentic and deep understanding of what uh, our community is telling us. Uh, we're being led by the community, both uh, with families and, and students. And so uh, our, our issues have uh, been the same issues for a long time. Uh, I think this is the first time that we've named the challenge, and, and it's nothing wrong with our students. Uh, we have to make systems changes to yield the outcomes that, for our students. And that's something that we realize now. And so we are, we are studying ourselves. Uh, we are looking in the mirror for what is it that we're doing that not, that's not yielding the outcome for our students in a way that we've all aspired to, to have. And so we are united on the goal. Um, and part of the benefit of being from here, Dr. Scarlett, and I know uh, Dr. Williams wasn't born here, but we accept her as our sister in, in Seattle as well. Uh, that, that we understand, I think we have, and we and we care, and I think that's a game changer for us. And we talk about creating this culture of care. We talk about honoring the funds of knowledge that our, our community is giving us. And we listen to our we listen to our advocates. We listen to our critics. And we we just have a full understand, not a full understanding, but a growing understanding about what needs to be done. And so. I think that's an advantage for us as we go forward, as we think about how we're developing our strategies, how we're developing our tactics, how we even develop the, the strategic plan. It was community-driven. And so we kind of understand, again, the arc of where we were and where we're going. And uh, I, I have tremendous confidence in where we might wind up in the, in the near future. So I, I appreciate um, you giving us the opportunity to uh, come on today. And again, I, I have... Uh, to the folks on my team that uh, I have super confidence in, and I hope that the community is hearing uh, their brilliance of wisdom as we go forward. So, uh, yep, we, we know where we're going, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a long road to get there, but I think we're focused on the right things. All right. Well, Dr. Uh, Brent Jones, Dr. Keisha Scarlett, 
Dr. Mia Williams. I, I want to thank you guys for joining us on today's show. We did go over a little bit of time, I was, uh, and I apologize for that because I promised I'd have you out of here by 735. Uh, but, you know, the conversation is what it is. And we'll have you guys back on here in the near future so we can uh, talk a little bit more uh, about what's going on in Seattle Public Schools and how you guys are uh, transforming the system to really benefit our young men and young women. Yeah, please have us back. We'd be more than happy to come back, and I'll bring others next time as well. All yes, right. indeed. Thank you so much.